0: Please rise in body or spirit for our call to worship. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright, in the congregation, the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you, and welcome to the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, and welcome to everyone who is worshiping with us by live stream as well. Before we move into the body of our service, I'd just like to make a couple of announcements for our common life together. The first is to note that our session has asked our worshipers to adhere to the guidelines and also indeed the mandates of the city of Philadelphia with regard to our, uh, our masking policy and other COVID-19 protocols. The language we use is strongly encouraged. Um, I do want you to know, because your worship leaders will be taking masks off in order that those with hearing impairments can better understand us, that everyone in the chancel is vaccinated, so we are adhering to the city of Philadelphia requirement that we know the vaccine status of anyone who is unmasked. Uh, with that noted, I'd like to invite you as well to a time of refreshment and fellowship at the conclusion of the post which will take place on the 21st Street sidewalk, weather permitting, of course, and I look forward to seeing you there. Let us now continue our worship with the confession of sin.
1: Good morning. The proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ rose for us, Christ died for us, Christ reigns in power for us, Christ even prays for us. With such assurance, we need not fear confession, but simply draw near to our Maker in candor, first together, and then in silence. Eternal God, we know that everything we have and are is a gift from you, a blessing from your own hand. It is not by the labor of our own hands that we are blessed. Many work harder for fewer rewards. And yet, we forget sometimes the call to give thanks without ceasing. We see what we are missing rather than what we have. We forget your benefits. Forgive us, we pray, when we fail to remember your graciousness, and forgiving us... Turn our hearts in gratitude to recall from whom all our blessings flow. It is in the name of Jesus and for his sake that we pray. The saying is true and worthy of full acceptance that Christ died to save sinners. Brothers and sisters, believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. The first reading is from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 51 to 58. Listen for the word of God. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me,
0: Our epistle lesson is taken from the fifth chapter of Ephesians, beginning at the 15th verse and continuing through the 20th. Continue to listen for the word of God. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty, eternal God, grant now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. When my brother and I were backpacking through Europe following college, there was a rail strike that caused us to have to change a great many of our plans. So, ten years later, we decided to redo the part of the trip that was derailed, so to speak, and to visit all of the places that we had missed. We invited some dear friends to join us, and we had a marvelous trip. But no matter how much you love your traveling companions, there comes a moment, even among the best of friends, where we need a break from each other. When I reached that point, I informed my friends that should they need me, they would find me sitting in silence, sunning myself on a rock one town away. Because we were in a region of Italy known as the Cinque Terre which, if you're not familiar with them, it's a beautiful part of the world, five small villages on the coast, and they're interconnected by regional railroads and very good hiking trails. One can hike from the first village all the way to the last village, if one wished, in a single day. Or one could do what we did, which is to buy the week-long pass on what was called the milk train and be from one end to the other in about an hour or so. So I walked over to the train station to wait for the train that would take me to the beach. And I waited. And I waited. Every 15 minutes or so, there would be an announcement over the loudspeaker informing the waiting passengers that the milk train had been delayed by 10 or 15 minutes and announcing a new arrival time. I waited on that train from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. At 11 a.m., I had had it. I decided that given the circumstances, I could hike to the next town in less time than I had already spent waiting on the train. So I went back to the flat we had rented, changed my shoes, and took off along the walking path. Now, it is supposed to take 90 minutes to get from Vernazza to Cornelia, where I intended to relax on the rocks. But I had worked up such a head of steam by this point that I made it in 45 minutes flat. But when I got there, I remembered that it wasn't the town with the beach. It was one more town over where there was a beach or a rock suitable for swimming. So I went back to the train station. And I waited. And I waited. And finally I decided to walk to the next town as well, where I did remember there was a place that I could get in the water and have a swim. And after an hour or so of swimming and sunning myself, I finally got bored and hungry and decided it was time to go back to to Bernatza and to uh, have a bite to eat and to shower off. So I went to the train station, and you should be detecting a theme developing by now, and I waited and waited. And again, the nameless faceless, and I was becoming increasingly convinced, mocking voice informed me that the train to Vernazza would be delayed by 10 to 15 minutes. Finally, I decided that if I could do it in 45 minutes once, I was fed up to do it again. So I took off walking And I must confess, I was ready to call down the wrath of God on the entire Italian train system. I was muttering unkind things about the conductors, the engineers, even the line workers uh, all along the trail. And right about the time when I was getting just really insufferably judgy, right about the moment that I had finished about ten minutes of what felt like at the time near vertical hiking, the thunderstorm that had been threatening to break all morning finally decided it was time to come down. And just as I reached the ridge exposed to the elements, and I use this term advisedly, all hell broke loose. There was lightning, thunder, pouring rain. And do you know what a trail becomes in the rain? A creek bed. I slipped fell. I had to slow down. I had to slow way down. The rain soaked through my clothes, drenching me to the bone. My shoes were soggy. They grew heavier with each step. My mood was as dark as the thunderclouds that were dousing me in the cooling rain. And as I trudged along the trail, somehow, out of the dregs of my memory, I don't know how, I got to thinking about my very dear friend, Joan, who never met a situation that she couldn't find a way to enjoy. And I remembered the time when the church she was serving practically ordered her to take a vacation because she had been working so hard, and so she took her first vacation in years and flew to Hawaii only to find when she landed, that she had booked her vacation at the same time as the National High School Cheerleading Competition. She recounted that there was cheering by the pool, there was cheering in the restaurant, there was even cheering in the elevators, and how eventually, eventually, she had found a way to be grateful on that vacation. I got thinking about Joan and how she would find a way to be grateful even on a a soggy hike, and I started laughing. And what I was laughing at was the simplicity of deciding to be grateful. And I don't know if the rain finally worked its way through to my brain, or at the end, what I really needed was just cooling down, but my mood began to improve. And right as the thunderstorm finally ended, right as the pouring rain tapered off to a light shower, I came around from the rocky trail that seemed to loom over steep cliffs. And I tell you the truth, I was walking along in bright sunshine with a light cooling rain through an olive grove overlooking the Mediterranean. The warmth of the sun and the coolness of the rain created a silvery haze that softened the view. And all of a sudden, like a thunderbolt that had missed me, I realized how lucky I was. In that moment, it was as if Wagner had given way to Verdi. And I said to myself, get a grip. I couldn't have conjured up a better view or even a better way to find it. Walking in the rain, looking at the beauty that surrounded me, I was full of gratitude. Give thanks to the Lord always, says Ephesians. Perhaps, one might counter, it is easier to give thanks in Italy. Fair enough, a valid point. But there is, I hope, More to it than that. Perhaps in your own life you have experienced that moment when perspective shifts dramatically and suddenly you see all that we have to be grateful for. Thinking on our Ephesians text today, it seems in some ways to be an easy proof text to support the notion of gratitude, but I hope there is more than that to it. No, I I believe there's more than that to, to it because of the text that immediately precedes it. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. And the writer to the Ephesians is concerned with so much more in this moment than alcohol consumption. The writer to the Ephesians is encouraging these new Christians to live differently from the culture that surrounded them if the pagans are getting drunk on wine then ephesians says the christians ought to be filled with the holy spirit and therefore live in gratitude singing their songs together for all they have experienced and received and by the same token amidst all the competing values of society in which modern Christians live, we too are called to live differently. We are called to concern ourselves with gratitude and thanksgiving. We are called to doxology, if you will. The new believers were counseled to cultivate a way of life, singing praise and thanksgiving to God, and that is fundamentally what doxology is, which of course returns us to the notion of living differently from the society that surrounds you. And this is a gross simplification of the text, but I believe it is true. We are no less called to live differently because we are called To live as God's people. And God has always called God's people to live differently. To live with gratitude. To live with trust. To remember what Jesus has done for us. And to give thanks always. To remember God's gracious generosity. And while we enjoy the fruits of our labor, to give thanks for the fount of all of our blessings Now, the funny thing about living differently from the rest of the world is that best I can tell, over time, it changes you. Now, I can't quantify this, and if I were to attempt to study, it would be at best an unscientific one. But can't you just tell when someone has decided to live their life differently from the rest of the dominant culture, as Christ seems to suggest that we ought to? Don't you know those people? Don't they seem in some way marked out as different from the world? I suppose that it is easy to give thanks when things appear relatively good. And perhaps that's true, it is. But when one learns to give thanks, when one learns to look for the providence of God when one practices this this as a discipline over days and weeks and months and years, indeed a lifetime, then we learn to see what God is doing. We see that God will be found in the day-to-day living, indeed even when it doesn't seem so good. And we know there are those times as well Do we not? As we pray for the people of Haiti today, we know there are those times. As we pray for the people of Afghanistan today, we know there are those times when life is hard. And perhaps it comes closer to home as well. We know there are those times when death comes too soon, and one we love dearly is lost. Or other times when death comes too late to prevent suffering. We know that there are times when the consequences of our sin mount up and cause us to struggle to find places of gratitude in our own lives. As the climate changes and as refugees seek safer places to live, you don't have to look hard to find those moments in which it seems that life is harder. You don't have to look hard. Just turn on your television. It'll be there to be found. But when we make gratitude a way of life, when we learn to live seeking and indeed seeing God's blessings, when we mark our lives out by giving thanks, by singing doxology, we are training ourselves to encounter the world differently. And when we do that, when we learn to sing doxology, when we learn to live gratefully, we might find gratitude even in places where we don't expect to. I love a story that Fred Craddock tells. He writes, a colleague of mine down at Phillips University, a young woman, taught physical education. She was a marvelous person, he writes, young and vigorous. One night she was sitting in her apartment grading papers when she heard a knock on the door. She went to the door and unlocked it and opened it. And there stood Death with his yellow face staring right back at her. She slammed the door, unlocked it, and called the doctor. He said malignant. She had surgery. A few months later, she was back, and I said, Hey, you're looking good. And she said, I never felt better. Now, she'd lost some weight, but she was back teaching phys ed, bouncing on trampolines, and all doing great. Everything seemed to be wonderful. She was at home one night watching television when she heard a knock at the door. She went to the door, opened it, and there he stood with his yellow face. She slammed it and locked it and called the doctor, He said, chemotherapy. And she was sick. All her hair came out. She got a wig. She came back to school. I said, well, you know, that's becoming. You should have been wearing that all along. And she said, I feel pretty good. And she was teaching again. And one night she was sitting there grading papers in her room, and she heard a knock. So she went to the door and unlocked it, and there he stood, old death, with his yellow face. She slammed the door and tried to lock it, but the lock was broken called her friends and relatives. Everybody gathered and we took turns leaning against the door. We leaned against that door. We leaned against it. We even got to where we were joking and laughing. We're not going to let him in. We'll keep him out. And we'd look out the window and there he sat under a tree, his yellow face right out there. And one night she said, get away from the door. What? What? Get away from the door. So we got away from the door, and he came in. I felt sorry for him, Craddock said. He likes to come in with fiery darts of pain and fear. And there he stood. In one hand he held peace, and in the other he held rest. He looked like a servant of God. Oh, I know there are people who will say, it's too bad you lost your friend, and it's true. But I heard the whisper in there as we gathered in the church a few days later, and the congregation stood in a great throng and sang, now thank we all our God. It was a shouted whisper. Dear friends, we cultivate gratitude as a way of life, if we school ourselves in giving thanks when life is good, if we learn to seek and see the work of God when life is going wonderfully, then we will find that there is more mercy, grace, and love in God even in the moments when life is bad, than we could ever ask or imagine. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen.
1: Let us affirm our faith together with the ancient baptismal creed of the Church. What do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Remembering that all that we have and all that we are is a gift from God, let us return to God the gifts of what we have taken from God's abundance and the prayers of our hearts with our morning offering. You may place your offering in the plates on the table following the postlude. Mm.
0: loved in Christ, let us unite our hearts and our minds in prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, who has established the earth and the seas and everything in it, we come this morning as people, as a world, needing to be reminded that you watching over Israel, neither slumber nor sleep, you are watching over all of us, neither slumber nor sleep. If we were to take the wings of the morning and settle in the furthest regions of the sea, even there, you are with us. Were we to descend to Sheol, even there, you are with us. We pray these things to remind ourselves of your eternal promises, O God, in order that we may, through our prayers, claim them for your children who are hurting. Because, eternal creator, there are those today needing our prayers because creation has gone awry. We come today to claim your promises because there are people known to us and unknown to us who are desperate for your loving kindness We pray for those who are victims of natural disasters here and abroad, and particularly this morning for the people of Haiti and the people of Afghanistan. We pray for those whose homes have been destroyed, those whom we can see and those whom perhaps we do not see. We pray for all who have lost loved ones because of powerful forces seemingly sweeping them away. We pray for those whose pain Haunts us in the fear that someday it might be our own. Strengthen us, we pray, to show the kindness and charity we would wish to be shown. But let us not stop here. While we see devastation, this is not a new occurrence. Scarcely has the ink dried on one check before another is needed. Make us mindful how richly we are blessed, fill our hearts with gratitude for the blessings over which we have lost count, and when we have been made mindful of these things, open our hearts to lavish response, that we might indeed seek ways of sharing your healing love where perhaps previously we had not even seen need. And may we be shown ways, O God, in which we may do more, because we know that in the face of suffering it is not an anemic response that you call for from us, but a response to the very gospel itself, a response that shows that we have trained ourselves in the art of living differently, that we might show the world your people. So we pray as well for that which... We know that we do not know for that which our eyes need to be open to see, for needs that are so familiar to us that they have become invisible, as well as the needs that shock us into action. We pray for our own communities, for the places of brokenness, for the victims of violence and gun violence, for those who struggle to make ends meet, for those who live with mental and emotional illness, For all who suffer from addiction, may your insisting presence be with us, O God, so that we might see the ways you call us to live differently. For we know that it is our presence that creates the body of Christ on this earth until he comes again. And so we pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power to make a wager with you, that with a minimum of imagination, before this day is out, you will have an opportunity to give thanks to God for something. In that moment, pause, say a prayer of thanksgiving, absorb it into your way of life, and then go and live gratefully. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love and give you peace both this day and forevermore. Amen.